Do the trashy pulp novels of the world have anything to offer? Our bestseller is all they're cracked up to be. Here at Terrible Book Club, we explore whether you really can judge a book by its cover or its ridiculous synopsis. You ever passed a book and thought, ugh, who's reading this? We probably are. Hello and welcome to episode 150 of the Terrible Book Club. I'm Chris and this is Paris. Hello. This time we read Skullduggery Pleasant by Derek Landy. <laughs> Sorry, I'm never not going to laugh. This was suggested by our patron of The Void, the taco-eating unicorn. He was hoping that the book would be pleasant for us. Anyway, he seems to be a fan, and he hopes that it brings us some fun and less pain than our usual fare here. If this is your first time listening to this show, what we do here at the Tale of Book Club is we read books that we assume will be bad based on their cover, title, summary, or some combination of the three. Sometimes, however, like today, we read books that our patrons, listeners, or friends recommend. So we typically do the opposite of what most people do in a bookstore or while they're browsing the internet looking for something to read. Typically, this experiment results in a disappointing and hilarious read, but, you know, once in a while, we do end up liking the book. Um, Our content warnings today, in addition to our usual barnyard language, uh, today's episode includes discussion or mention of just kind of your garden variety, magical violence, kidnappings, attempted murder. I mean, it's all kind of cartoony, though, so it's nothing too extreme. All right. I'm going to read the back of the book summary for us here. And perhaps some of the characters in the setting. Anyway, the back of the book. Meet Skullduggery Pleasant, ace detective, snappy dresser, razor-tongued wit, crackerjack sorcerer, and walking, talking, fire-throwing skeleton. As well as an ally, protector, and mentor of Stephanie Edgley, a very unusual and darkly talented 12-year-old. These two alone must defeat an all-consuming ancient evil, the end of the world over his dead body. <laughs> so I think you can see the kind of the tone we're dealing with here, which is, you know, generally trying to be funny, you know, that that kind of thing. Funny and for children, basically. Yeah, like, I mean, you know. You, what is this for 10 year olds? I, I don't. I, I'm older than that, probably. What age is this book for? Ten-year-olds? Uh, Ten I don't to know. fifteen, probably, I would say, is probably the target market here. How much could a banana cost? Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I feel about this. Yeah, how we're so detached from, like, I, YA I fiction. That, like, how old could this book possibly be for a five-year-old? <laughs> Meanwhile, it's got, like, fucking dark wizards and shit. No, I feel, I feel like this is something I'd read in elementary to middle school. I really can't imagine a high schooler reading this, I don't think. I know plenty of high school kids that read Harry Potter voraciously, Paris, and even college students, so like... 
No, oh, I the guess same. Point. It's the same my, thing. I think that my reading habits were just weird. I think I was a weird child, and I am a weird adult now, and I have weird perspectives on things because I was not reading stuff like this in high school. So I don't All know. Right. It's definitely would we say like children's lit, young adult kind of feeling. Sure. Yeah. 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 I'd put it in there. That that section of the bookstore probably probably where it is, or that, that section of the Amazon. Kindle library. <laughs> anyway, our characters and setting here. Uh, main character, Stephanie Edgley, Harry Potter stand... I, I mean, protagonist. Um, <laughs> we have a skullduggery pleasant magic skeleton that was mentioned before. We have Gordon Edgley, Stephanie's dead uncle. It's He's important even though he's dead. Um, Stephanie's family, kind of briefly. She's got some loving parents. She's got a shitty aunt and uncle. It's, you know, that's pretty much it there. Um, China Sorrows, lady who knows things and magical <laughs> antiques collector. Oh, Chris, these names are going to We'll get to me. that. We'll, flatline. <laughs> we got to get through this first part here and then we can talk about the names. <laughs> Nefarian Serpine, <laughs> former lieutenant to Mevolent, evilest wizard ever, and the antagonist for this story. That is, Nefarian Serpine Ooh. is the antagonist for this story. Mevolent is long gone. Probably because everyone was like, that's a stupid fucking name. Get out of here. <laughs> yeah, they kicked him out of the evil I'm fucking... malevolent. I mean, malevolent. Yeah, that's it. Um, we also have Tanith Lowe, mage with sword. And the only fine name in the entire book. Yeah, and then because here's some more names for you. We also have Sagacious Tome, Morwenna Crow, and Ichan Meritorious, the three most in-charge mages for some reason. They are the elders of the sanctuary, I believe, is what they're called. They're the three mages in charge for for reasons. Yes, and they are called the elders, and they run everything from the sanctuary, which is just important for the summary. Speaking of the summary. Speaking of the summary. So uh, normally we like to give listeners a quick rundown of the plot and all the basic story beats so that as we're talking about what we liked and didn't like and our experience reading the book, you at least have some grasp uh, on, you know, what happened in the book, even though you didn't have to suffer through it uh, like we did. So Chris has written the summary for today, which means I will be reading it. Um, And this is always a good time because I usually haven't uh, actually read these yet. So we'll see how this goes. Can I offer just one little extra thing here? For this summary, uh, since I read this one a while ago, I did Google a summary for this, and part of this is paraphrased from a summary that I found on supersummary.com, which now that I know exists, I might be going to more often to supplement my own summarizing just to make sure I got things right. Chris, you have brought shame into this house. You couldn't be bothered to write a summary of this stupid YA book? I I wrote most of this summary, Paris. It's just I wanted to be sure I got it right. You care about being right, don't you? Yeah, but you could have just conferenced with me, your co-host, who also (laughs) read this entire book like we do every week. I didn't want to bother you. You seem busy. I am busy, but I'm only a Facebook message away. Um, Okay, fair enough. I won't do it again. I swear on supersummary.com. Great. Well, I guess I have to read this fucking imposter summary today. <laughs> it's mostly uh, me still. Plagiarize summary. <laughs> I can hear the book cops now. <laughs> They're coming oh, for you, Chris. Um, all right. Well, anyway, just so you 
get an understanding of the basic uh, elements of the story, here's our summary for today. Tiffany Edgley is a 12-year-old girl whose uncle, Gordon Edgley, has just died. She and her family are surprised to find that she has inherited his entire estate and royalties, with the exception of a few properties and items he gives to other family members. Important note, Gordon Edgley was a wildly famous author, hence the royalties. At both the funeral and will reading, she encounters a mysterious stranger who seems to have known her uncle very well, despite the fact that the family has never seen him before. He is covered up completely, you know, full hat, gloves, scarf, long coat. So it's a bit of a shock when it's revealed he is a sentient living skeleton when he saves Stephanie from an attempted murder later on when she is hanging out at her new estate. The strange living skeleton is Skullduggery Pleasant. <laughs> That's how I, I said never, that name in my head, will, too. Yeah, yeah, I will never not say it as Skullduggery Pleasant. Um, a once living but now undead magic user detective who was good friends with her uncle Gordon because they were both involved in a secret world of magic just under the surface of our society. And we're talking really just under here. There's like secret meeting rooms hidden behind thin walls and wax museums and trolls just hanging out under the London Bridge and murdering people all the time and, you know, stuff like that. Everyone's got a silly name because having a silly made-up name or just having a made-up name, it doesn't have to be silly, to be clear. <laughs> they choose for them to be stupid. <laughs> Everyone buys into <laughs> Every- this. Everyone. Uh, but having a made-up name protects you from having your real name known or your other real, any of your real names known uh, because that would give magic users power over you. Skullduggery soon reveals to Stephanie that he suspects her uncle was murdered. Gradually, they uncover that Gordon did indeed have a key to the hiding place of the Elder Wa- I mean, Scepter of the Ancients, your classic mega-powerful magic wand that was used to fight ancient evils, and he was murdered for it. Gordon hid the scepter away to keep it out of the hands of people like Nefarian Serpine, former servant of Valdem- I mean, Mavalent, who, in classic sad male detective main character fashion- murdered Skullduggery's family, and then tortured and killed him, too. Skullduggery was revived by magic and rage somehow, and since there were peace terms set between Nefarian and the elders at the sanctuary or whatever, Skullduggery could only watch from afar, as, as going after Nefarian could set off another wizard war somehow. Anyway, through some more breaking and entering, I mean detective work, Stephanie and Skullduggery continue to build and confirm their theory, but are attacked by more minions of Nefarian. Skullduggery is eventually captured, and Stephanie conscripts the assistance of China Sorrows and Ghastly Bespoke, two I friends of Skullduggery's that I really appreciate that every on. name has their own voice like a Pokemon. Yes, they are basically Pokemon. They are joined by Tanith Lowe, cool sword have a lady, who was kind of in the area when Stephanie came to ask China for help. The party breaks into Nefarian's estate and saves Skullduggery from torture. Afterwards, Skullduggery and Stephanie visit Mr. Bliss, China's brother who acts as a double agent between the Sanctuary and Serpine. They want information from Bliss, but he instead steals the key to the scepter that Skullduggery and Stephanie have, using it to obtain the scepter for himself. Once Bliss gives the scepter to Serpine, a sorcerer tries to kill Stephanie and Pleasant. They escape, but Serpine resurrects a creature called the White Cleaver to hunt them down, yada yada. The White Cleaver finds them. They quickly realize it can't be killed. They have to escape again. Ghastly turns himself into a fucking statue and then, like, Tanith gets stabbed but don't worry about it, I guess. Meanwhile, it's revealed that Sagacious Tome, one of the Sanctuary Elders, is a traitor. He allows the other two Elders to be murdered and lets Serpine into the Sanctuary. Serpine plans to use the Book of Names, a book containing everyone's true name, you know, the one that if you know, you would have complete power over them, uh, to control the world, but belatedly he learns that the book cannot be used without all three Elders' permission. 
Furious, he kills a sagacious tome and fucks off for a bit. Stephanie, Skullduggery, and Tanith raid the Sanctuary. Yada yada, yeah, White Cleaver fight. Uh, Serpine returns to Sanctuary and tells Bliss to murder Stephanie. Instead, Bliss turns on Serpine and tries to kill him. Skullduggery emerges from the ceiling and also attacks Serpine. Not sure why he came out of the ceiling. (laughs) Serpine uses the scepter to try to kill him, but Skullduggery holds the Book of Names in front of him to block the spell. The book is destroyed in the process, despite previously being described as indestructible. Uh, Enraged, Serpine attacks Stephanie, but Skullduggery takes the scepter and uses it to destroy him instead, and the scepter is broken in the process, rendering it unusable. Stephanie learns that her family is descended from the ancients of, you know, Scepter notability, uh, and Skullduggery accepts her as his apprentice. Stephanie renames herself Valkyrie Kane and gets to be a wizard. Ha- I mean, Stephanie. <laughs> <laughs> so that was that. My mouth yeah. is dry. <laughs> Too many stupid names. Yeah. Well, we like to do the things that we're good first, right, Paris? So let's yeah, save let's, the uh, cloud sideline. For <laughs> sideline that. All right, yeah. What, all right, right, right off the top, we got good pacing, right? Yeah, generally we're going from quest marker to quest marker in this story without too much dawdling in between. You know, as soon as like Stephanie spending the first night in uh, her new home, um, the, the minion of Nefarian breaks in, and then Skullduggery is there to rescue her, and then they're immediately off trying to like do some sleuthing and solving, and they're talking to Skullduggery's friends, and then they got to go back and forth and you know, piece things together. It's very rarely is there a moment where things are um, sort of plotting or, you know. Yeah, right, right. We're never meandering or like wasting time. It was a very quick and easy read. Like I I felt like, like Chris said, you know, we went from, you know, plot point to plot point. We didn't have to sit through like, and then Stephanie had to have dinner with her family and Skullduggery had to pretend to be a coat rack. Like that, at least we were spared that, (laughs) you know. Um, the writing in general, too, was like decent and to the point. I wasn't sat there wondering what the author meant by a, a word or like worrying about sentence constructions or punctuation or basic elements of communication. Like it was well edited. I yeah, I, I didn't have to think about that, which unfortunately for the show is a rarity. <laughs> yeah, so. it's worth noting when we catch a book that is fine in on fronts like that. It's it's worth saying. Yeah, I mean, I think people take that stuff for granted, and honestly, we've at least encountered so, so many, very many books and pieces of media that just can't even can't even hang their hat on coherence. So, yeah, like this is yeah, this is notable. Whatever editing was happening here was well done. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't. I never thought like, oh, could have cut that bit, or like, oh, needed more explanation of this. I was like, yeah, okay, all right, this all works, you know. Mm-hmm. We actually have and another good point is the decent dialogue, specifically between Stephanie and Skullduggery here. They're, you know, they've kind of got this cute mentor mentee relationship happening here, and the, it's, it's got some good tete a tete happening. I actually have an example that I chose that I would like to read just to get give everyone a yeah, general sure. idea of what's going on here when I mean that. All right, so here's that sample of some sort of back and forth between the two. Is that the gear for breaking into the vault, she asked? Is that where we're going? Well, to answer your first question first, yes. That bag contains all the equipment needed for a beautifully executed break-in. 
To answer your second question, no, that is not where we're going. Before I get to introduce you to a life of crime, I get to introduce you to the Elder Mages. Crime sounds more fun. As indeed it is, though I would never condone crime in any of its forms, except when I do it, naturally. Naturally. So why are we delaying the fun? What do these Elder Mages want? They've heard that I've been dragging a perfectly nice young lady into all manner of trouble, and they want to admonish me for it. Tell them it's none of their business. Well, while I do admire your moxie, what's moxie? I'm afraid that won't work too well with these fellows. One thing you have to remember about the Elder Mages is that they're really old sorcerers. Well, well, yeah, work that out by myself. You must be so proud. Why do you have to report to them? Do you work for them? In a way, the elders pass the laws and they have people who enforce the laws, but there are only a few of us who actually investigate the breaking of those laws. Murders, robberies, a couple of kidnappings, the usual. And while I may be freelance, most of my work and my money comes from the elders. So if they want to wag their fingers at you, yes, I have to stand there and be wagged at. Alright, so that's a little sample there. And like also throws in a little bit of world building in there at the same time. So you're yeah. getting two for one there of like fun dialogue and a little explanation, even though there's quite a bit more telling than showing sometimes in that respect, but I'll let it slide for now. Yeah, um I think the only thing missing in that dialogue is that they didn't explain that Moxie is a a syrupy uh soda found in New England that tastes <laughs> like pennies. Uh <laughs> Yeah, that's specifically what it is and what he's talking yeah. about there. Yeah, it's gross. I fucking hate Moxie. Although I have more than one you friend. You said with you a were a weird tattoo. child growing up, or, but like, I think the weirdest people are the ones that enjoy Moxie. Well, maybe I'm a rung above them. Maybe I haven't <laughs> fallen all the way down the ladder. I'm superior <laughs> to those Moxie likers. Yeah, maybe I don't mean superior, but just, I don't know. I'm in a different weird box, you know, in the that's little. True. Little sorting. Moxie likers are definitely their own special kind of weird. You hear that, Pat? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, In any case, I uh, to get back on point, I do agree with you. I I do think that the dialogue between Stephanie and Zgeldagri was actually good in terms of like what I would imagine a YA books dialogue to be between a spunky preteen and their adult mentor. It never got creepy. It was, it was like. Yeah, it you know it tried to be funny, and I thought it I thought it got a little, a little half snort out of me here and there. You know, it was sensible yeah, it chuckles, was, it was, right? Yeah, it was sensible. It was sensible. It was good for uh for it served its purpose. You know, we're not. This wasn't. <laughs> this wasn't like fabulously deep emotional writing, but that's okay. It's not. That's not what this book was trying to do. This book is trying to be like fun for kids, I guess, I think. And, you know, maybe right on the coattails of Harry Potter royalty. Just a little bit. (laughs) Just a a touch. (laughs) But in any case, I do agree with you. Uh, And then uh, another thing. Well, I guess, Chris, I will let you take this point because I disagreed with you on this. I thought, well, I thought the magic system is fine. I'm not going to say it's great because it's like your classic kind of. You know, there's some spells that will pop up when they're needed for the plot, and we don't get a really deep examination of all the rules. But, you know, they, they pop up here and there to make sure, like, in each scene where a spell is used, it kind of makes sure that you get a limitation or a drawback on using that kind of magic so that it's not you don't immediately spool it out into, like, well, why don't they just use that all the time? Yeah, I did appreciate that right at the beginning, they, the author makes an attempt to be like... 
yeah, magic is either what is it, elemental or adept. Those like yeah. the two classes of magic and the element, and it's like if you go too hard on one skill, you can be easily hampered by the other. And the example it uses is like this guy that the guy that breaks into Stephanie's new, you know, mansion from her uncle and attacks her and tries to kill her. He goes hard on the fire, but then turns out if he falls in a river, he literally rips apart and dies because he went too hard on the fire. So even just a dunk in the river will, will dematerialize him. Uh, which at first I was like, Oh, this is actually okay. There's that's, that's fine. I'll accept that. But then as it went on, the magic got looser and stupid. Yeah, I, got, I definitely have issues with the... The book is indestructible. Oh, no, it destructed. The scepter is indestructible. <laughs> oh, no, it like it's... Yeah, also like, oh, you can't touch the book if you... So we should talk about the book of names, which briefly was funny to me because uh, I'm a longtime listener and fan of the Goosebuds podcast and their patron role is called the book of names. So the whole time I'm imagining them <laughs> as like the elders of the sanctuary. <laughs> so it was, it was funny for me in my little head. Uh, anyway, so the book of names again is this, this huge tome of everyone's true name. And the book talks about how people have true names given names, and then chosen names. Still unclear on what the fuck the true name is, but I assume this is unveiled at a later point in this, what, 18 books or something stupid series or whatever. Um, so your given name is, of course, the name you're given at birth. Your chosen name is things like Skullduggery, Pleasant, and Fuckfacity, Fuckfuck, or whatever you choose. <laughs> yeah, that's my and cool wizard name. China Sorrows, you know, stupid shit you go by so no one knows your given name. I, again, really wish I would have understood what the fuck the true name is, but that, that's, that's the like seed your, your, to pull you in later in the series. Right. What's the true yeah. name about? That's that's your deepest. That's like your deepest, darkest, coolest name. Um, <laughs> I'm you know, Fardo the, McSuds. Like I don't know. <laughs> has all the coolest demos uh, from <laughs> you know from old bands. Um, and anyway, this book, the Book of Names, has everyone's true names in it. How that works and why you would have that? Why would you centralize power over everyone in one place? I think place? It, it says that the, the ancients used it to fight the formless ones or something before, because I guess the formless ones had true names, but you also had to have everyone else's human names in there too for it to work. I'm sh I, I don't. I don't remember that explanation happening, but I'll trust you. In any case. <laughs> The, their, the security on the book, you know, so that obviously you can't have anybody just walking up and reading a true name and controlling someone. There's a spell on it so that if you walk up to the book desiring to read it, as you get closer to it, you lose all interest and, like, forget what you were doing. So it's like me any day getting up to go and look for a pen and I immediately forget... <laughs> This is how the security system is set up, and I gotta say, mwah, brilliant, because let me tell you, I'm never gonna find that pen. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, Still out there so somewhere. Like, it's somewhere. I think it's in the junk drawer, but as I'm going to the junk drawer, I need to <laughs> yeah, pee. Yeah, it's got the ADHD and then after I pee, on it. Yeah, after I pee, I'm like, oh yeah, I need some water. And after I have some water, I'm like, why the fuck did I get up? But I'm like, I don't know, I'm just gonna go back to the computer. <laughs> That's my Shit, entire day, pen. folks. Okay, time to get up, go <laughs> get the pen. entire day. Oh man, I forgot that I needed the, to write that grocery list. Where's the grocery? I should check my fridge for what groceries I need. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, so that's how they prevent people from accessing the book, which you know feels like a 
a smart spell, right? Like, I'm like, okay, that sounds like it might work. I mean, it, I don't really understand how it would work, but sure. Um, and then <laughs> I guess at the end it gets destroyed because Skullduggery grabs it, I guess because he grabs it as a shield and not to read the names. But they didn't specify that. They were like, if you approach the book with the intention to touch it or if you want to get the book. So it's like, how does the spell know <laughs> what this intention is? So I don't know. I guess, but yeah, because he picked it up as a shield and not. But again, it's like he knew it was going to destroy it. Even just got close to it without like, you know, that spell taking effect, I feel like. Yeah, so Farian wasn't was, like, oh, I mean, no, I left the evil oven on. I got to go. Like, <laughs> I don't want to melt my other hand. This one's already <laughs> yeah. the hand of doom or whatever. That's stupid. But yeah, I just I feel like the magic system, there is no system. It's just at the beginning, they're like, yeah, there's totally a system. And then as it goes on, you're like, this none of this makes any fucking sense. Because then like Tanith can run up walls and run on the ceiling. And she is the anime you know, character in this book for sure. She, she is cool sword haver and runs on walls like that. That's all you need to be anime. But she is also the one good name haver. I actually like Tanith Lowe. Yes, I, think I will it's a agree. good name. <laughs> all the good name juice went into one character <laughs> in this book. Um, you know, and then you have God, I every time. I say one of these names, I actually All right, feel embarrassed let's just, let's for myself. Let's just get into it. <laughs> let's no, no, no just... I just wanted... I'm sorry. Yeah, we were trying to talk about how you thought the magic system was fine, but then we kind of devolved into actually we didn't think it's fine. And let me just finish this point. Um... There was this one particular part of the book where I really thought it all fell apart in terms of magic, and that's when, you know, China is sort of this, like, I don't know, I think you described her as, like, a chaos agent or something. It's like, sometimes she's good and helpful, and sometimes she doesn't do anything, and sometimes she's bad, but everyone still likes her because she collects magical antiques or also, something. We don't really like, know. she's, mildly sexy and has, like, a love spell that she casts on people or... Yeah, it seems like she has a permanent, like, uh, you think I'm hot, therefore you'll listen to me spell on her. Uh, so, anyway, there's a point where China knows Stephanie's name, or she knows her given name is Stephanie, and so she has some power over her. I mean, and it, honestly, it was, like, way more power than I would expect it was like, don't move, sit down, don't go through that door. And she was like powerless to get away. Um, and then later on, you know, she she's finally like, I don't know, China, she is forced to listen to China, you know, China pushes her away, tells her to leave or whatever. And then she's like in the bathroom in the mirror going, I know what to do. And in that moment, you're supposed to recognize that she has chosen her chosen name and therefore china no longer has power over her and i was like but the chosen name is like the first layer and stephanie is the deeper layer so china already knows stephanie isn't that the layer past valkyrie kane why would that lose its power i didn't understand that Yeah, because all. everyone else in the story acts like if you know, someone knows your chosen name and then they find out your given name, they would still have power over you? Or are we perhaps right. confusing this for the true name is like the actual layer underneath the chosen name? But that's not clear Maybe. at all. 
Yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe we're supposed to understand that she knows what her true name is, and it's I. I don't. It's know. definitely a weird scene that breaks the the magic logic pretty quickly, and I was just left ultimately confused as to like, wait, why does just choosing a name right then break the hold that she has over you over your right? Given wouldn't name? you just wouldn't you just keep choosing different names? Yeah, I'm wouldn't just like, okay, just... I'm butt toucher McFuckface, so. <laughs> And tomorrow I'm gumdrops McGee, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I, I mean, I guess the idea is like, it has to be really a, a chosen name. Like it feels like you, but I don't know, man, I feel like I can come up with a good dozen of those <laughs> if I really needed to. As so, the musicians that have had to come up with band names before, like we can rattle off 10 shitty ones before we get to like, right? Like, so if that's all it takes... Is this yeah, why is this why all like black metal musicians have like stage names is they don't want like the ultimate black metal wizard to have power over them or something? No, it's it's so that the job market doesn't have ultimate power over you so that, <laughs> that you can get hired so that you can get hired and people aren't like, "Hey, did you write this song about burning a church down?" and they can be like, "No, I'm not goat fucker. Uh, <laughs> that's somebody else." How ridiculous you know? that you would think I was goat fucker despite the fact that I we have the same hair and build and I'm wearing the same pants right now. Well, luckily, Plausible deniability exists. So unless there is a picture of your face and goat fucker, they will never know. Um, All right. Well, yeah, I know a of, lot of people that do that. Speaking of dumb anyway. names, let's let's crack on into things that were bad, Paris. Yeah. If you haven't noticed, we really hate the names in this book. They are it's... so silly that I felt I feel embarrassed when I have to say them. When I have to say, and then we met Ghastly Bespoke. I I. <laughs> can't that's literally a pokemon name by the way so he is a and you know why because he is a tailor hence the bespoke and he is apparently quote-unquote ugly which i i kind of this author has a weird thing with like pretty people and ugly people that i really don't like that we'll talk about in a moment um but yeah so he is an ugly tailor ghastly bespoke i don't know skullduggery i mean obviously he's a fucking skeleton pleasant i guess because he is gentlemanly very genial yeah but it, yeah it just seems like chris what was your formula it's like you take a noun that you think <laughs> vibes with you or that you think is cool and then you have an adjective or regular name in front i know there's a line in the book about don't choose what you think sounds cool but that really seems to be the only guiding principle here because why would you ever choose valkyrie kane unless you thought it sounded cool but like also on this front if okay so we're all wizards in the in the wizarding area doing our wizardy stuff and we're all talking uh-huh. to each other with like it's like hello i'm nefarian serpine wouldn't you immediately be like, that's an evil name about doing evil stuff. We should probably keep an eye on you. Yeah, he's a nefarious snake. He's like, hi, I'm a nefarious snake. And you're like, sick, that guy sounds cool. Like, <laughs> we should probably keep an eye on him and also malevolence. Whoever goes around like, I'm malevolence, then you he's would two prob- letters off of <laughs> It's like some guy walking up to you and saying, hi, I'm E-Bill. My name is E Bill. <laughs> My name is Evil Ad Guy. <laughs> Gadby. I'm Evil Gadby. Oh, of the uh, of the Los Angeles Ad Guys. <laughs> but yeah, it's like I just 
I, you know, again, it, it, it's possibly aimed at children here, but like, I just can't imagine anyone picking Nefarian Serpine and being like, they'll never <laughs> suspect me. Like, what? <laughs> yeah, I'm totally cool. Uh, yeah, I mean, and even the quote unquote like good characters, the names are so stupid. And I mean, sagacious tome. There's even a point in the book where they're like, he wasn't very wise. And I was like, then why was he sagacious? <laughs> they hand these like names out. Like there's no regulation on that or whatever. No. Also another point, like why does everyone buy into this naming scheme? Like yeah. you would think someone else would just like choose, like I'm just David. Oh, That's my chosen name. I'm David. You'll never yep. know what my real name is because I'm David. Right? Wouldn't it be so, wouldn't it be so much more secretive if you were like, I'm Sarah Tate. Good fucking luck, assholes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, like, <laughs> like John H. Smith. Good luck. Uh, yeah, I mean, or, or like any other naming scheme. Naming yourself after, I don't know, a god or furniture? deity from your culture. Fern, yeah, or just like any anything else. Or is this just like this one enclave in the UK that decided to name everything like this and everyone's just culturally going along with it? Stephanie That's could have chosen anything, but she went with Valkyrie Kane, so she's buying into this whole thing. So. That, I mean, that's what I would be. I'd be Salt Lamp Side Table. <laughs> salt Lamp Side Table is actually a real... They call me that Salt. That rolls off the tongue a lot better. They call me Salt for short. What would you call me? What would my wizard name? My chosen wizard oh, name Oh, oh, uh... <laughs> it would be... Like Audible Sours uh, or something. <laughs> oh yeah great yeah i was gonna say i was actually trying to construct a name that combined like bearded high and cold uh <laughs> that's not, okay that's not my that only defining your... features but i get no but that I'm is your you winter think... incarnation True. that is your cold weather incarnation <laughs> blizzy stoner blizzy stony oh my god uh wait what were you audible sours that's yes. actually that's actually really good <laughs> No, I mean, when I, okay, I thought about so when this I was reading bit. this, I it really feels like the author was walking through the whatever the UK version of Spirit Halloween is and like seeing their generic names for popular characters and going, ah, yes, maybe Billy can go as ghastly bespoke. He looks just like that ghost mane that he likes. Or, <laughs> oh, what about Mevelyn, Maleficent's uncle? Like, it really just reads as like, you know, the, the you know, off off-market versions of popular characters very much so anyway i guess i understand that you know it's very clear the author was like ha ha this is silly but it's i don't know man it really cuts into the book like me respecting the book and caring about it at all but i'm also not a child so i don't know maybe if you enjoy the naming scheme because it's silly and fun that is fine it's fine. It's fine. It's not for us. That's all. For us. You know, you can salt, like things that lamp, we don't like. Salt lamp's it's gonna cool. go elsewhere for her for her uh, literary needs. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, that, that's right. I mentioned this briefly a few minutes ago. Towards the beginning, there's some weird like fat shaming and associating fatness and ugliness with like bad or evil characters, with the exception of Ghastly. Um, I just feel like. Man, if you're writing for kids especially, you got to do better. I mean, I know this, this only popped up twice, but it really stuck with me. Again, especially thinking about this like as 
a book for children. I know I, as a, you know, as a uh, recovering fat child, I know I would have been struck by that and remembered it. Uh, and this is, this is one of the sentences that stuck with me. Uh, this is where uh, the family, Stephanie's family members are being described at the will reading. Whereas Stephanie was dark-haired, tall, slim, and strong, they were bottle-blonde, stumpy, and dressed in clothes that made them bulge in all the wrong places. And it's just this really lazy way to be like, hey, these characters are bad and stupid. Let's also make them (laughs) fat and ugly. And it's like... I mean, you have a good character who is, quote-unquote, ugly and ghastly bespoke, right? But then he also just names himself ghastly because he supposedly has scars and, like, that... I don't know, that also rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah, I also, I didn't love that. They were like, yeah, he was just born ugly. Like, there was nothing you could do about it. And yeah, I just, again, these are these were like really undertone things. These were not major, um, you know, these weren't overarching themes in the book. But again, thinking about this as for kids, it did strike me. And I was like, meh, I really wish authors wouldn't do that stuff. It's lazy and it just contributes to all these shitty, stereo- shitty stereotypes that we all have to live with every day. So less of that similarly let 43 year old women be goth clowns if that's what their hearts desire right you know be you if if that's what you want to be then just go for it this was directed at the aunt right i'm pretty sure no it was just like a neighbor or something oh so and even... stephanie's like and stephanie's trying so there's like this is such an offhanded thing but it also bugged me because i guess stephanie has i think it was a neighbor and the neighbor, like, quits her job to be a clown and when she's 43. And everyone's like, oh, how scandalous. She's like a goth clown now. And Stephanie's like, oh, every time I see her performing outside, it just makes me feel bad. And I'm like, you know what? I wish I had the guts to fucking right. be a goth clown at 43. <laughs> you know, yeah. in 10 years. In 10 years, if I'm not a goth clown. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. We'll, we'll no check in with clown. you, Paris, and see how things are going by then. I actually know someone who went to clown college. Um, they came from a family of clowns. This is real. I'm not. This is not a bit. Uh, I son, you guy... have to go to clown college, Dad. No, I don't this... wanna. You have to go. This... If you don't, I'll squirt you in the face with my flower. <laughs> yeah, oh, this guy who, speak, uh, this guy speak, who speak, worked speak, for speak, me. At one of... <laughs> this guy who worked for me at one of my previous jobs. Yeah, he came from uh, his uh, family, or both his parents were clowns, and he went to clown school uh and then he went to regular college and i was like wow this is actually wow this is real <laughs> paris i just had a thought yeah who also names themselves to for protection so people don't have power over you other than black metal musicians clowns Clowns. So you don't want people to know your real name as a clown you gotta like fucking protect yourself <laughs> by, that's like, true a clown name the clown names are different in quality. They're like, you know, Bumblefoot, the clown. Like, it's always blah, the clown. They're, it's not yes. like... But yeah, it's, it's, it's serving the same function, I find, here. So this, I'm yeah. going to call that the inspiration for this. Anyway, uh, I guess what I'm saying is, let's not shame people for uh, pursuing their passions regardless of their age. Uh, how, about, how about that? I agree. Um, I wanted to add that even though I recently praised some of the dialogue in this story, I think any other bit of dialogue in the story is just kind of functional to average at best. The villains, by far, are twirling their mustaches so hard that it's full corkscrew on both ends, though. Like, it, like... <laughs> yes! Everyone's yeah, just that... here to be bad for being bad because, you know, being bad is cool and good is yeah, dumb. Yeah, 
yeah, all the all the bad and good characters are they just have no depth or like nuance. I mean, I guess they're trying to make I guess they're trying to make China Soros as like the one with nuance because they're like, oh my god, she's hot, but she's also bad, but she also kind of didn't really do anything. But then she like saves them at the end, and we're supposed to be mysterious and confused and blah. But I mean, that. <laughs> wasn't really interesting. That was very like yeah. <laughs> it's like she watching a function, uh, right? Like true lies or yeah, something. Like, she's, she's, <laughs> she's there to like cryptically give out information without giving the whole story away. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like Ghastly Bespoke is there to be kind of a helping hand, and Tanith Lowe well, he is... provides magical clothing that keeps them from I don't know being like, seen yeah, dying. Like, it's like whatever. minorly magic proof vest, but not really. Just like a little. Like, it's like a plus two on your you know defense <laughs> roll on like right. spell well, saves. A little Kevlar under your under your <laughs> under your suit, you know. Tanith Lowe felt like someone who could have had more to her. Maybe it's just because she has the best name that I wanted there to be more there. But she's yeah. literally, like we said before, your average cool sword haver in modern world type. Mildly brooding, there to give Stephanie some Atta girls at key moments. Overall stoic, yeah. running on walls and shit. <laughs> like... Murdering trolls. Uh, speaking of murdering trolls... This is another thing that was really bad and kind of ruined this book for me. How is no one noticing this magical world when we've got a troll under London Bridge murdering people at midnight every time anyone crosses at midnight? Also, everyone is... All the magical people in this book totally cool with talking about intense secret magic shit in front of a random 12-year-old they've never seen before and just trusting that it's fine. Um, We've got this museum that is also a magical repository guarded by vampires, but no cameras outside it's fine don't worry about it i just this we're supposed to believe that there's all this undercurrent of magic at least in harry potter you had to like you had to know about a certain place and and it was invisible to everyone else and then you go to this different location but here it's like nah this is a troll under london bridge and he fucking eats people it's like (laughs) don't you think that like Scotland Yard would have an open case out. <laughs> yeah. Like, man, people keep dying at midnight on the London Bridge. This is a real problem. We gotta put a patrol out yeah, there. Yeah, post one like, man there. Like, when he doesn't come back, like on a post two or something. Like, right? Like, yeah. And then like Tanith murders the troll. She you know tricks him or whatever, and then just throws the troll's head into the river. And I'm like, someone's gonna see that in the Thames. It's not. Let us. Let us. Well, how Low buoyant are location. troll heads? You don't know. Maybe they're really, really dense. That's true. You're right. Maybe a troll head is really dense. They do Maybe seem very sinks. dense. Maybe it sinks like a stone to the bottom of the Thames. I don't know. But but you're right that there's not really much obfuscation of magic whatsoever. They're rolling up to Nefarian's house, which I seems to just be like out in London or whatever. Right? It's a the, castle. It's a castle yeah. some grounds. It's got a fence around it. I feel like it? all castles in the UK probably have like tourists coming in and out of them. Speaking of someone that went to Scotland recently and saw a couple castles, like they they've got a whole kit and caboodle and setup going around all the castles that they have. <laughs> So just like having yeah, man. Then again, I do know a man that lives in Lowell with his own castle and it's just a castle in Lowell. So, you know, like it it could be That happen. was weird. When you when you told me about that, I was like, "What? First of all, why there?" Uh I feel like that's where the up. castle was. It wasn't by choice. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. It's sort of like it's like a house with castley features. Yes, I don't know. It's, it's more of a uh, castle yeah, facade yeah. than Yeah, it's more of a yeah, it's a it's a house with you know 
dips its toe into Castle. <laughs> uh, but anyway, in any case, yeah, I don't really understand how this magical world is supposed to be so secret, especially when they start talking about the numbers of people in the UK alone who are magical. And I'm like, that's too many people to keep a secret. Someone's <laughs> going to say something. People. Someone's going to get into a fight with a normal person at yep. a bar and be like, fuck you, Zappo. And like, you know, someone's going to have something to say about the zapping that happened. And- yeah. Or someone's going to fall in love with someone who's not a magic user and they're going to be stupid and tell them like, the numbers cited didn't make any sense. I don't quite remember it, but it was like, oh, this neighborhood alone, there's like 700 of us or something. And I was like, ah, that's too. i don't believe this um and similarly like the was was the sanctuary in the wax museum yeah it was like it was like behind a a thin false wall it wasn't even that (laughs) protected yeah yo an 18 year old janitor is just gonna walk up in the sanctuary and be like uh where's the mop he's gonna roll (laughs) right up to that book of names because he doesn't know what the fuck that is and there you go now he's all of a sudden he's in control of everyone good that good going Again, I just, I don't understand. I'm sorry, we should have specified this book came out in 2008. So this is like modern world. I mean, I know it's 2022. So we're, I don't know what, 15 years behind. But even 15 years ago, I think a major museum and a wax museum probably had cameras. (laughs) Like, I'm just saying, like, most businesses have had, you know, businesses and like cultural institutions have had cameras for quite some time now. So to think that like, no one's going to notice people coming into the sanctuary i i also just wonder like what happens if they need a land survey or like they need to do some kind of ground penetrating radar because i don't know there's going to be like an archaeological there's like an archaeological dig for some buildings or something and they're like huh seems to be a giant network of mazes and secret tunnels under this <laughs> wax museum I well anytime I you want to do an archaeological survey on that area of land you remember something else that you had to do <laughs> instead of the archaeological <laughs> yeah. survey and then you're fired from you're your right job. you're right silly me uh there must be magical spells protecting all this stuff to keep the regulars out but at least anyway, tell us about I that found... right i find it really hard to believe that all of this is just kept under wraps so easily especially when you consider that um, you know that that first night of the book where the evil fire guy, who's like a nefarian henchman or whatever, comes and tries to kidnap and murder Stephanie and Skullduggery gets to tussle with him, and then they they get in the car and they try to drive away, and that's how they end up in the in the Thames, like. I feel like some dude, it's like some stoner's like walking his dog at night and he just like looks over and sees like a fireball man and a skeleton and a small girl fall into the Thames. And he's like, <laughs> like, and then he tries to go home and gets eaten by the troll under the bridge because he can't answer the yeah. questions three or whatever. Yeah, right. I mean, this is London. This isn't some podunk town like London is a major city. I... It's very hard for me to be like, yeah, this is fine. So that that really kind of ruined it for me. Mm-hmm. Um, Chris, can a twelve year old kick in a door? Maybe, maybe. I don't. I don't think so. It's Chris, a flimsy can you door. Kick in a door. Can you I, kick I, in a door? I think I could. No, the answer is no. <laughs> I think I could. No, I. Th- I'm gonna stand fast here and say I think I could kick in a door. 
I do not think you could kick in a door. I'm not going to kick uh, in many doors to test this, but I I think I could. I feel like I got decent legs. I know where to kick the door. Okay, this is, to be clear, this is a door that is locked. <laughs> it is made of wood. Um, I just don't know that a 12-year-old child, even with her strong swimmer's legs that they tell us too late... Um, they tell us she has strong swimmers legs chapters and chapters after, you know, she almost drowns in the Thames and we're like, wow, that kid really survived. It's like, well, would have been good to know she was a swimmer. Anyway, I don't think a 12 year old could kick in a door. I don't even think an adult male can usually kick in a door. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, minor quibble amongst the other stuff here, but once again, just kind of stretching believability, right? Yeah. A 12 year old kicking a door and I doubt it. Um, the the thing that stretched believability a lot more for me was sort of the um, big aha moment that happens towards the back half of the book. So they're you all mean the really underwhelming. What the fuck moment? Yeah. So they're all you know trying to figure out what Gordon was leaving behind as clues for Stephanie to find the key to the scepter of the ancients and where that is so that they can keep it safe. I think the better thing would be to just die with that knowledge and never fucking tell anyone or leave any clues, first of all, right? Like, just, there's no reason Stephanie has to know. Anyway, on top of this, they are searching for all these clues. Where could it possibly be? Where would where would Gordon hide the scepter if he had the scepter? Because they eventually figure out that he probably found where the scepter was and hid it or something like that. And then all of a sudden, after they go and break into the vault to, like, talk to a ghost that's in a magical, like, ghost recorder thing. No, it was it was way later than that. It was when they then they rescue Skullduggery. Skullduggery's like, I figured out where the key was, guys. Yeah, anyway, Skullduggery all of a sudden remembers that Gordon has a huge network of secret tunnels under his estate. And that's probably where he put the scepter. I feel like if I knew my friend who just died has was trying to hide something, the fucking first place I would look, the second I got to his house, would be the massive network of caves and tunnels full of magical creatures and traps underneath his house. I don't yeah. th- I would never forget that. That's not a thing that you would it's like, oh yeah, he just has like an, a, an additional garage. I forgot that he did that addition to the house where he dug the fucking magical network of caves and filled it with creatures and traps. Just slipped my mind. Yeah, yeah, that was real stupid. I was also confused by that. I was like, wait, you knew you knew about it the fairy tale labyrinth? It would be what? fine if Skaldarga just didn't know that those caves were right? Like if he just if they found out together. Or if he did know, but there was a reason why they didn't attempt it. I mean, no, even that wouldn't make sense because that's even if it was dangerous, that's where you would put the big power scepter. Well, and it feels like that must have been where he was going when he found Stephanie in the house when she was getting attacked and then they had to leave. But like, you'd think he would have been like, oh, yeah. Does he just have ADHD? Is that what we're t- is that what's happening <laughs> the, here? He, he was like, close to the, the book pen too many is the times. scepter. <laughs> and he was like, oh, I thought I was going to the caves for the scepter. And then I forgot I needed a drink of water. I'll wait on the fucking skeleton. I guess I don't need that water. Why was I here again? Oh, that child's about to be murdered. Better save there's her, I guess. No, there's here. no way I, that he was actually going there in the first place to check out the caves, Paris. Because like, if that was the case, exactly. He would be. The, it would be the first thing he did after he got Stephanie away for a little bit. 
Yeah. I mean, I know he went there to look for the key, I think is what he said, right? Yes. Or, but even, yeah. even like, it's after they have the brooch, which is the, the brooch that Gordon gave to the shitty aunt as like a way to obfuscate where the key was. Even after they have that, it still takes them a little bit to go like, oh, it's probably in the caves that he dug under his house. Yeah. I mean, and there's no like maps or anything, which is weird. Although I don't I don't think Gordon dug the caves. I think they were there before, and that's why Gordon bought the house, but um Okay. But still, point still stands that that would just be place number one to try for for hiding yeah, magical yeah, items. Yeah, the the magical fairy tale labyrinth under your dead friend's house would first place I would my, go. Yeah, the yep, that'd be my first place, <laughs> my first choice. Not mm. let's head to the tailors and ask him what's up. And then let's ask China Soros. Um Yeah. Uh and you know, once again we get a book that just has no boldness in it, refuses to kill any main character, you know, we've got like no explanation as to why Tanith gets stabbed in the guts and is fine a few pages later. And not, like not even Gatley. like a healing potion, I'm pretty sure. No. I mean, she she had like a like bath salts that you could like soak bruises in to to heal up like surface level bruises, but there I don't I do not remember any explanation behind her being stabbed straight through the torso <laughs> by the white cleaver and being left to die and bleed out. But then like a few pages later, it's like eh, everything's fine. I I don't know. I mean, she just huffed all the bath salts all at the same time, and that the rest yeah. of the book she is on a crazy high. And maybe she just rubbed him into the the hole where the sword was. Yeah, I I don't know. There's just too much here that really gets in the way of my enjoyment. Um, I also just don't. I don't want another story like this. It's just another, you know, hero's journey, and we've got at least we've got like a a young girl as the protagonist, but. Nothing's really different. I mean, it's still like I'm a magical child who just happens to fall ass backwards into power and a world of magic. And I have these really fun sidekicks and nothing bad ever happens to any of us. And we get to go on these adventures. And there's no real fucking consequences because every time I hurt myself, you know, there's like magic potions or I don't know. It's just somehow not that bad, I guess. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just am not. Yeah. In- not for me. Um, I, I just need things that are more interesting than this. I'm sure if this is like your first book with him. I mean, this isn't even our first book with a magical skeleton detective. Yeah. Chris. Like, <laughs> so, <laughs> so, <laughs> I think this might be a nice way to kind of like start drawing things to a close here. How is this the second sleuthing sentient skeleton character that we've encountered Dude, here? I don't fucking know. There, there was another and one it, in the, a skeleton ugh. haunts the house or whatever that that little cozy yeah, mystery so. that we read. What is it about losing your flesh and muscle and brain that makes you want to solve mysteries more? Is it like the lack of the brain like makes you want to figure things out more to prove you've got thinky power still or like I don't know, man. It, I don't know. Uh I is being bound by flesh something like does that make you not want to solve mysteries usually? Are all detectives is every SVU character really a skeleton waiting to hop out of the character's body to unleash their true detective power? I mean, you could probably get me to believe that Mariska Hargitay is a skeleton or magical. 
would probably get me to believe that. I don't know. It's just, uh, it's yeah, just I guess, weird, right? It's just weird. Yeah, it's a weird. It's weird. It is weird. And I... It would have been one thing if there was, like, some kind of explanation. Like, I used to be a Halloween decoration, and then I was, like, hit by a brain wave <laughs> or something. Like, I don't know. I mean... You couldn't but even go <laughs> in, I mean, not that that would have been acceptable. And then either. a detective I'm sorry, I'm bit me. Like, really... <laughs> <laughs> he was a radioactive detective, and I, and I he ah, bit into MacGyver! my MacGyver. No, MacGyver. No. <laughs> no. Now I'm cursed to solve mysteries forever. It's <laughs> just like an overcoat just materializes and you're screaming. Ah! <laughs> I don't want to wear a tan duster forever. <laughs> oh, God. That would also mean that like your wife and child would be murdered immediately because that's, <laughs> that's always the, the back story. Just... <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Um, which was also the backstory in this book. Surprise, surprise. Yeah, um, it's so... Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's just, just it's a, a fun lot of I mean, coincidence. I don't think anyone's like ripping anyone off here. It's just like, why did both of you come up with that? No, it's it's a. I mean, the the detective with the dead wife and child, the murdered wife and child thing is like a ridiculous trope that we see over and over and over again. Remember, it was even in. Uh, sure, but I'm talking about in, mystery solving skeletons again here, not the not the. Oh yeah, mystery solving skeletons. I don't know. Maybe this is something that something in popular media we just both missed and now we're rediscovering and we're like wow that's weird yeah like the um, cat bus thing in japan or something like where that's like cats and being buses is like some kind of cultural trope wait really it's not just totoro no it's like a, yeah it's like it's i think it pops up in a couple i think totoro was like the originator of it but now it's like all over a lot of different things I think someone's gonna correct me in the comments. Someone, just, someone will just correct I me. I mean, when... yeah, we we've got enough weebs listening to this. Someone <laughs> tell us about the cat buses, please. I enjoy the cat bus. I would like to know more about it. Thank you. Um, <laughs> yeah, I uh, I don't know. I I don't really get it. And I think sorry. Back to the point I was trying to make like five minutes ago. It would have like he doesn't really explain. He's like. I don't know. I just died, and then I woke up again, and I was mad, and I was a skeleton. And I was like, "That's not an explanation." <laughs> like, it's not an explanation. I mean, I imagine you with your arms crossed, like in this scene, just like that doesn't explain anything, Skullduggery. Like, I I need a straighter answer from you, or I'm not going with am, you to solve any mysteries. Well, and like, wouldn't it be funnier if it was like just all the organs floating in like gelatin? Like instant, like so, it was everything except the bones. <laughs> the the anti skeleton. I don't have these damn I think I we saw that cool. in uh, Last and First Idol, right? Like, I guess we did. Um, yeah, I guess I just man, like ever, like almost every book we read for the show, I just want a little more creativity. I want people to color outside the lines a little bit. I need you to think a little harder about. The plot about these systems that you want to put in your book it's just god damn it <laughs> it's just so lazy okay well i mean here's an like while we're on this sort of like wrapping up slash other things here uh when we talk about being creative here um and listen i know we've made some jokes about how this feels very harry potter-ish 
in a lot of ways, but I guess that's proof that J.K. Rowling's output isn't the only fucking place you can get this kind of material. So no, you don't have to turn a blind eye to her bullshit to get your magic child in a world of wonder fix here. Like, there's plenty of other people will be doing the same thing. You do, you don't have to stand her because she came up with, like, the most popular version of it. Yeah, dude, this is even in London, so, like, you know, it's in the UK, you get your bips and bobs and scones or whatever. <laughs> like, and yeah, you don't have to, you know, support a fucking turf nightmare get out of here fuck off i just i can't believe how oh man i just can't believe how this this is i think this would be my biggest point in support of this book right like instead of getting someone into harry potter i'll just hand them this one instead like right same thing yeah i guess i well i guess i'm i guess i'm a rare weird child in that when i was a kid i remember i read the first harry potter book when i was seven and i was like eh, i don't like this didn't care, didn't do it for me, never gave a shit, was shocked by how much everyone else liked it and just never understood why. I just, I don't know, never got into it. Don't. I thought it was just really a good yarn. Movies. So I, I I read all the books because I just like, hey, this is pretty decent. I'd like to see what everyone else is talking about here. And it's, you know, general mad, magic fantasy stuff, which I was a fan of. So if I wanted to be like part of the conversation and, you know, not trying to get people to be like, but have you read uh, the Forgotten Realms books? Or, like, have you read Malazan? Like, which would be markedly... Even just the fucking the Song of Ice and Fire. Let me tell you, rolling up to people with the Game of Thrones when you're in middle school, which is about when I read it, and everyone was like, what are you fucking talking about, nerd? What about Harry Potter? Yeah. So, I had I mean, to... I was... <laughs> I was also a huge nerd, but I was, like, deep into reading philosophy when I was 14. Yeah, not me. I'm not the smart kind of nerd. I'm the let's fantasize about elves and shit kind of. No, no, no. I'm not. This isn't me trying to be like, oh, I'm so smart. I was just trying to say I'm a fucking nerd who thought she was really, like, deep and cool. Um, but I wasn't, uh, and I know that. So please don't. Please don't make me. You're like, shallow and hot. Wait. Uh <laughs> No, definitely not that. But in any case, I never understood the popularity of the Harry Potter things. But, I mean, I get that people people end up, you know, they have this nostalgia that they can't let go of. Like, you know, over here in Heavy Metal Land, we've all got that problem with a lot of yeah, things. I like can even death under- metal that's yeah. super misogynist yep. or black metal musicians that are racist or whatever. But most of us are like, oh, yeah, that shit, like, that kind of shit has real life consequences. Let's let it go. And, like, I can't believe that people just can't let fucking jk rowling go let her go let her go let it go yeah. read something else <laughs> there's a lot out else. there a lot of other Sorry. authors a lot I of other I music just, i think it's just like i don't know man i had a lot of trans people in my life like full disclosure and i just it fucking boils my blood to see people being like oh, like you have a person actively with a huge platform like spreading ideas that can actually hurt people like real people who are alive today who live amongst us like that's that's the shit that god damn it anyway sorry i probably i know i'm waiting i've been waiting you know it had the day hasn't come yet um in the year of our dark lord to reblow uh 2022 but i've been waiting for the day someone's like hey can you read jk rowling's like anti-trans detective book that shit's a thousand pages paris it's like so fucking long with like some of the patreon rules we're thinking of implementing sometime soon that will forever get cast into the fires of hell because of its pure length (laughs) oh my god yeah if it's a thousand pages we're never reading that so 
I guess if a bunch of patrons got together and then we all agreed as a community that we wouldn't do anything else <laughs> for a while, we'd just read that. Oh, just <laughs> episode would... after episode trawling through it. <laughs> that would take some collective action on the part of listeners and patrons. <laughs> uh, <laughs> unionize us into reading J.K. Rowling's anti-trans book. <laughs> oh, fuck no. Wait, no. Please don't. I'm turning into Please a union don't. buster <laughs> before we very honest. <laughs> oh, no. Anyway, uh, sorry, I didn't actually mean to go on that rant, but Chris makes a good point here. That, like, you know, if you're really itching for some kind of stuff with some Harry Potter flavor, I, I mean, it's hard for me to say because I didn't like Harry the first Harry Potter book and I never read the rest of it. But Chris has and he feels like it's, you know, got that same tang. Yeah. So get your pleasant skulls on, maybe. Uh, I I have some just random questions that came up as I was... uh reading this well i guess one is a a statement wow stephanie gets a massive fortune of an inheritance and she gets to enter into a magical world and have magic powers fuck you stephanie (laughs) i want that jealous paris well it's just it's not that it's like god could you make a more a like luckier perfect main character like oh wow that's literally what happens in harry potter too he like inherits like a huge vault full of money at the same yeah (laughs) that's so stupid um okay a couple questions though what cell phone from 2007 would survive being in a car accident home invasion attempted murder and near drowning in the thames it's fucking nokia's man they were built like bricks yeah i mean they did resemble bricks visually and in terms of weight yes but do you think an old Nokia could survive that? Not really, especially the dip in the I Thames. don't think the water. Yeah, like, uh, she's like, oh, seriously, my phone was still working even after being in the river. And I was like, I don't know about that. Uh, uh, what kind of monster washes two pieces of clothing by themselves? Just two pieces <laughs> yeah, of clothing in a load? Stephanie just like What kind it. of fucking monster? What <laughs> child have you raised? Oh, Irresponsible, wasting water. Don't you have yeah, other gonna... dirty laundry at that point? All of your other clothing was clean at that point. You had literally just done the laundry, so and you're right, gonna you wash two have... clothes, two pieces of you clothing. You couldn't have just... washed some some dish towels, some some bathroom towels, some fucking bathroom rugs. God, anything. Just please don't. Uh, the amount of excess that this signaled to me was like. <laughs> Oh, Whatever. I, She's got all the cash of the whole house now. I'll wash one yeah. piece of clothing. Watch me. Oh, I can't. As somebody Just who a has single to walk, sock, Paris. As somebody it's who has an to walk sock to a too. It's not fucking even that laundromat. Oh, no. <laughs> I just can't. Uh, also, uh, this is a more... I mean, this is still a silly question, but sort of serious. They're, in, the, in the book, they talk about the uh, evil bad guy, uh, Snake Man. Um... Serpine. Serpine. Yeah. They're like, oh, yeah, he's got necromancy magic. He can just, like, twist his hand at you and kill you. And I was like, isn't necromancy only manipulating the dead? Can necromantic magic also kill you? I thought necromancy was only manipulating the already deceased. Paris, you're the person that's, like, standing at the other end of, like, the death spell that someone's firing at you and being like, um, <laughs> actually, that's not necromancy. It's... <laughs> I'm I'm serious because like that's how I always understood necromancy. Let's see what what is where can we get an official definition of necromancy? Oh, Wikipedia, good old Wikipedia. They would know. 
Mm-hmm. Necromancy is the practice of magic or black magic involving communication with the dead by summoning their spirits as apparitions or visions or by resurrection for the purposes of divination. Imparting the means to foretell future events, discovery of hidden knowledge, returning a person to life, or to use the dead as a weapon. Sometimes referred to as death magic, the term is used in a more general sense to refer to black magic or witchcraft. Okay, so I think you are on point with that definition. I guess then what would you call a death spell? Like, what school of magic is that? It's not conjuration. You're not conjuring anything. Well, the thing with spells is that it's it's not like you you have to use a certain type of magic to get to the desired end, right? It's not like, ah, the soup spell. It's like, oh, it's a spell that uses, like, fire and vegetables and water to combine into a soup. So I feel like if you're going to kill someone, it would have to be like, ah, yes, it's like the electrocution spell you're going to kill someone by electricity right or something like that that's the other thing is like there's a lot of ways to kill people you don't have to have like a specific ass death spell yeah i thought it was really weird that he could just like wave his hand at someone and just they just die i was like that's not first of all that's not necromancy and second of all that's really uncreative and stupid like i I don't like if you're that point your evil character is like dies like how is this interesting? <laughs> also, there's other points where he sends other minions to kill the person that is in front of him. Just fucking point at him, bro. Just point. Just go, you die. Yeah. Yeah. And there's no sense that there's any, there's like a reserve, you know, he's going to like charge up his death hand. There's none of that. It seems like he could just kill anyone at will that he wants to. So yeah, it makes you wonder like, okay, dude, if you're so evil and into murdering, just why aren't you just murdering everyone? Yeah. There's just. I'm sorry, this is going on because there's just so many little things about this book that I that destroyed any scrap of enjoyment I could have gotten from it. All right. Well, can we fix it? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've said this before. I, I mean, I just said this a few minutes ago, but you gotta give me more than protagonist is secretly magical and special and fate brings them into a magical world with sidekicks and nothing bad ever truly happens like that like like man this author Derek landy can clearly write well edit maintain a good pace for a story please write something outside of this formula it is boring i am also very tired of the same fantasy tropes being mixed together in a pot and having a new name slapped on it don't tell me this is fucking minestrone like i know this is the same vegetable soup we had last week. It's not chowder. You can't just keep calling it something else. <laughs> it's just, you know, it, it's sorry. I'm just really tired of this stuff. And I, I mean, lastly, as a, I mean, I know we belabored this point, but really, the naming convention was. <laughs> yeah. Really, you got to do was, something I mean, else. Chris, this is a question for you, though, because you read all the Harry Potters. Did Harry Potter also have a stupid naming convention? Because I remember some of the things. I, mean, I don't really remember, but some of the words sounded stupid to me. It was like abracadabra or something. You well, know. the death spell is avada kadavra, which I actually think is kind of clever, where it's like the words that we use to say generic magic spells are like a telephone game of like the actual death spell or something. And like that's why it seeped into regular people consciousness. I actually kind of like that part. But, like, I mean, the names, I mean, people have generally regular names in terms of, like, like it's like Ron Weasley and Hermione Granger and Harry Potter. I mean, like, but, like, Severus Snape is, like, Nefarian Serpent. Yes. Let's be I, real, yeah, right? Like, it like, totally is. It absolutely fucking snake is. Snake man! <laughs> you know. 
Uh, and then Mevalent is like Vald. Well, Voldemort, I guess, is just. Oh, is it just the same letters mixed up? No, it's not. It's not. No, Voldemort almost. is actually an anagram of the guy's name plus the I am in there or something like. Voldemort. Oh, okay. So it does have the same. Stu- it has a very similar stupid naming convention. Voldemort's real name is Tom Riddle. Yeah, that's underwhelming. Yeah, it's Tom Tom Marvelo Riddle, and like when you rearrange the letters in that, it becomes I am Lord Voldemort. <laughs> Which was a very stupid reveal, even when I read that in the like what was it the fifth Harry Potter books? Spoiler for Harry Potter. Wow, I am so glad that I gave up on that series after one book. Um, Seven-year-old me knew when to give up on bad books. (laughs) 33-year-old me does not. Um, I'm going to generally agree with you here, Paris, about like how you can fix it. I mean, the author does have chops here, so just please use it for something a little bit less worn out. Although, I mean... Use your powers for good, Derek Landy. (laughs) Please. I mean, I gotta give the hero's journey a pass because it's it's a try and true formula. It's dull to me, of course, but if you're a kid and you haven't read much hero's journeys yet, this could wouldn't be an awful way to get introduced to it. That's kind of like how I try to remind myself about like music or bands that I find like kind of you know, oh you're doing the same thing. But if like someone else who hasn't heard that style before is introduced to this band, maybe that's they think that, you know that's their totem or guidepost for that style and there's nothing wrong with that so if if you haven't read a lot of heroes journeys and you're not tired of it then i guess that's fine chris i need to i need to see you in the other room real quick do you want to just come come over here we'll go in the side room okay am i in trouble gonna have a conversation okay i'm in trouble aren't i Thank you for joining me here, Chris. Uh, well, you'll see here, this is some paperwork uh, to help you uh, file for unemployment. Uh, your position at Terrible Club has been terminated. God damn it. Uh, I, hope, I wish you uh, good luck. Probably read your uh, own terrible talking, books. <laughs> and your own I wish episodes. You good luck in talking about how much you love the hero's journey. I didn't uh, say anything that, about love. <laughs> a thing that we are contractually obligated to dislike. Uh, I hope you have a good life. Good day. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Oh, no, I'm kidding. I'm obviously Chris is fired. I just, I'm just so directly opposed to this opinion. Um, I. Okay, but I'm if, sure if that someone. They're, they're, okay, here's the thing. Sure, there's a way to write. I'm sure there's a way to write a coming of age hero's journey that works, but like no one ever does that. It's always the same thing over and over and over again. I can guess every single thing that's going to happen. It is just. I am in uh, Paris. I am in full agreement with you on that. I I never oh, said okay. that. I, what I'm saying is that it is fine for these things to still exist because not everyone is going to read all the same amounts of heroes journeys and things and oh, they won't yeah. be as I, tired yeah, I mean, of it. And it's fine if like, you know, some people read this and they think it's fine because they haven't been through that path a whole lot yet. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, we very rarely on this show say, like, this book doesn't, <laughs> this book should be stripped from the halls of memory. I mean, we have sometimes. Yes. There have been times that have warranted that. But this is just very, just bland, whatever. Like, it's fine. Like you said, you know, hey, if you're eight years old and this is the first magical 
fantasy you read, fine. That's fine. Honestly, Even if you're like, 30 and it's the first magical fantasy you read, whatever. Like, Oh, yeah. Yeah, I agree. And also, I you know, God, I wish I had thought to say this earlier, but I'd rather someone pick this up than like, you know, uh, any of the fantasies we've read that are like, hey, remember misogyny and how <laughs> it's, sexy it's ladies back again. are? And how they make how they make your brain melt when you're a man, and how you need a man to protect you. I mean, at least it doesn't have those tones True. to it, right? So absolutely, yeah. I would put this over a lot of that other stuff way before yeah. Sword of Truth, like way oh, higher yeah, up on the pile. Sure. Oh yeah, I agree because like even though Sword of Truth has its like has its like uh, linguistic moments, and part of me is like, well, someone's gonna start somewhere with you know, I don't know. <laughs> leather but it's like it yeah it's uh it's not worth it for so many other reasons yeah i would much rather someone pick this up and be like yeah magic skeletons a young girl being like a heroine and not having to like marry a prince although you know what i i wonder if i should eat these words now because this series goes on for a bit right and she's 12 at the start so how much you want to bet that after a certain point of time there's a love interest. <laughs> oh, they're absolutely. I mean, you know what? While we're here, let me read some of the names that come up later in the series. Oh, God. Oh. Such. I mean, there was a, like, I just read like, because there was a lot of back of the book summaries at the end of this book for the 12 other books in the series. So I caught names like Abyssinia and Darkess and Oof. Omen Darkly and Lord Vile, which just sounds like a black metal guy. <laughs> I mean, Chris, all of those people sound like they are in the same band. That's and the true. singer wears a corset and the music is bad. Mm-hmm. That's that's what that sounds like. All right. Well, Paris, I think we should end this on a lighter note. Yeah, I think so, too. We actually uh, we recently got a really nice email from a listener. Uh, they had emailed us several months ago uh, after they heard the Hangman's Curse episode and they alerted us to the fact that it is watchable in 11 parts on YouTube for free uh, with hard-coded Swedish subtitles. And we were like, oh boy. Um, and they said they thought that they had the DVD somewhere and they were going to check their house and get back to us. And we were like, yeah, cool. If you want to send us a DVD, we'll totally take it. And, you know, they, uh, as a pet tax, they sent in a picture of a kitten that they had found in the grocery store and they were taking care of her temporarily. And um, she was standing in her water bowl because she did not know how to drink water out of a bowl yet. That is how derp and kitten she was. And then a few days ago, we got a follow-up email um, and we got an updated kitty photo. Um, For some reason, I can't find attached to this email. It was an adorable photo of a kitty sitting on a dishwasher door. Oh, there it is. Yes, so we discovered that um, Grocery Store Kitten uh, ended up being permanently adopted by our listener Max and their fiancé, and the kitty is still very derpy um, and is now (laughs) laying on the open door of a dishwasher. Um, She now has a very fluffy gray tail, and her name is Radiator. Sounds an adorable name. I just think it's delightful. Please send us your photos of pets like Radiator. We like to see your rescue pets. We like to see your purchased pets, your your stolen pets. I don't know, maybe not stolen, but uh, <laughs> what? Pets. Send us, send wait a minute, pets. hold on. <laughs> Actually, uh, the patron that recommended uh, this book to us frequently sends us pictures of pets, and we appreciate that too. 
Oh, that's true. Yeah, we need to uh, we need to thank uh, the taco eating unicorn. Um, he often sends us pictures of Mango, I believe his sister's dog. I think it's a Chihuahua, maybe. I don't remember. Um, and there, are, I think there's a dog named Taco, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. I hope, I hope, I hope the taco eating unicorn isn't. Yeah, not that taco. Eating the dog, not that. No. Um, but yeah, we get a lot of pet pictures uh, from him, so that's cool. Yeah. Anyway, we really enjoy the pet pictures and uh, the communiques. So feel free to communicate with us at your at your leisure. All right, and <gasps> thank you of the void, the taco eating unicorn, for sending us this yes. suggestion. It was a fun time. I will say that it was definitely a fun, t- more than average. When I'm reading a book, right? Like some books I, are slogs. Well, <clears throat> this, yeah, this one wasn't. Yeah. I didn't want to. I didn't immediately jump to suicide um, <laughs> after twenty five pages or something like it. It also didn't take me very long to read. It only took me a couple hours to read. I which appreciate that. Surprising. So all yeah. right, and thank you to our other patrons. Thank you to our patrons: Dari, Greg, Veronica, Will, D, Jared, Arant, Senia, Jakub, Lycoris, Elliot, Kieran, Martin, Lucek, Miri, Yanka, David, Anya, Patricia. Austin, Donnie, Crimson Paladin, Beast with the Least, Scott H., Robin, Laxtodes, Of the Void, The Taco Eating Unicorn, Last Man on Earth R1, Funny Robot with Antennas, Hobbyboy93, Harry Mason, Renee, Emmy, and our Kofi Donor Kiwi thing. Thank you so much, everybody. <laughs> okay, Paris, um, Audible Sours signing off once again. And I'll see you later. Salt, we- lamp, salt Lamp Side Table. <sighs> signing off. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of Terrible Book Club. Terrible Book Club is an independent podcast produced by your hosts, Paris and Chris. Sound design and audio editing by Chris, with sound effects and music by Epidemic Sound and sometimes also Chris. Our theme song is Kiss by Yearn, which is, you guessed it, actually, also Chris. You can find more of his soothing synthy sounds on Bandcamp at yearn.bandcamp.com. Do you want us to review a book of your choice on the show? Do you want access to some extra audiovisual weirdness? If so, become a patron at patreon.com slash terriblebookclub. If you'd like to send us a one-time tip instead, you can do that at ko-fi.com slash terriblebookclub. You can also support TBC for free by sharing the show on social media, following our accounts on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or Goodreads, telling your friends about your favorite episode, or by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, or anywhere else on the internet. To send us book recommendations or your adorable pet photos, send an email to terriblebookclub at gmail.com. <laughs>